Welcome to Through the Wire. Through the Wire. Back with some more Bubble NBA talk. Um, we just got it going, man. Every single night from the beginning of the day to, to the end, uh, we just got hoops. And I know everybody here excited about it. Of course. Of course. It's been it's been magnificent, man. Uh, I, it's been something I don't think we can predict. It's, it's been kind of like NCAA tournament-esque in these eight games. Um, still trying not to overreact to, to a lot of things, uh, especially to those top teams like Lakers, Clippers, Bucks. Um you know, even Raptors and Celtics type teams just trying to let things be how they be. But the under, like the under part where the Suns, Spurs, Blazers, Grizzlies, all of that shit is just so March Madness crazy type thing. And I'm I'm loving all of it. Uh, y'all see my boy back here. He's been putting on a show. Uh, only undefeated team left in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited for their matchup against the Heat. But yeah, it's just been, it's been very reminiscent of the tournament, especially since we didn't have the tournament. And it probably should be something that the league should look into even when the the season comes back, like the real shit comes back. And I know they were trying to talk about like what they could do early season tournaments or preseason. And we were like, there's no incentive, which is a fact. But this shit is exciting, man. This is exciting. Yeah. I think any anytime there's innovation, it's a chance to get better. Even if it doesn't, it could fail because not everything's gonna work, but there's always that chance to get better. So I can appreciate the NBA always being innovative. Yeah, this is the right time for them to experiment because we didn't have much and they needed to find a way to get creative because they brought the NBA back. They didn't want to just throw us right into the playoffs. So they had to give us a little something to get us the juices going, get the players going. And then I'm loving what I'm saying from Phoenix, the Blazers. They all just, they coming out, they playing exciting. They having emerging players. Like it's, it's actually pretty surprising to actually see all this going down. Yeah, whether it be a bubble or not, some of the things that we're seeing right now will translate and will get kept for future years. Maybe the play-in goes perfectly. We have the nine seed upset the eight seed, and now they win it. And now that's just NBA tradition from this point on. The NBA has always been a, a pretty progressive league when trying to create um, tension, trying to create tension between like teams and things like that. So we'll, we'll see what end up happening. We're, we're basically a little over halfway through with the seeding games, and the playoffs is coming in like – I think it's like 10 or 12 days, which is crazy to even say. We're about to be in the playoffs soon. Every team has played four to five games. Uh, but I, I, P, you mentioned that you don't want to overreact. I love those overreactions, man. I think the overreactions are the best part about this. Like, l- let's just jump into what we got today. Cool. How much of a big deal is it is what we're doing? So I have some topics that, you know, that surfaced since the last time we talked, the last time we had an episode. Give, my, give me overreactions. Give me whatever you want about these topics, okay? So this is a safe haven. Okay. Yeah, just 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 leave it out on the table. Who cares what the fans of this team think or the fans of the players think? I want to hear the raw thoughts that go through y'all mind. Y'all know those thoughts that go through the Xbox party that we don't really showcase here on the show? I want all of that. <laughs> I think I said some wild shit on, in the Xbox party. What did I say? But I, okay. Yeah, we 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 always just say something. Okay, first one. Uh the Ben Simmons injury. Ben Simmons injury. We still don't know much about it, but from my readings right here, this is this is what we do know. Um, that he'll be out indefinitely with a subluxion of the right patella. Brown couldn't couldn't admit uh to the timetable because it's unknown right now, and but he is obviously frustrated with the situation and they played their first game without him and they barely got out of there against I think it was the Orlando Magic. So how much of a big deal is it to you or should it be to the NBA world that Ben Simmons is now injured indefinitely? I think it's the timetable. I think you got to wait to see how long he's going to be out because we don't know. They still said indefinitely. So I think it is a big deal because when I watched them the other day against the Magic, they definitely struggled offensively. And it wasn't all just because of the Magic defense. They just didn't have that continuity that they normally have with Ben Simmons. And it's it is very worrying because you don't want to go into the playoffs without Ben Simmons. Yeah, I think it's a big deal as well, especially because it's a knee injury and we know how reoccurring those could be, especially for those players that have like, you know, the bigger frame and they have a little bit more weight to to hold on to. But um, I agree with Derek. It's, it's kind of based on how they see it and what the timetable is. If he's back in maybe two weeks and he thinks he's going to be ready to go, then it's like, okay, now we got to kind of make sure we can get on without you. Because like you said, they did struggle against the Magic. But I thought other players, they also did kind of take that step up, especially kind of like Tobias Harris, who 
in that new Philly system, he usually kind of turns into a spot-up shooter, but him putting the ball on the deck a lot more, it kind of opens the game up for him. So it's a give and take. But the more, the faster he comes back, obviously is way better for Philly. Yeah. Um, I know why Brett Brown is frustrated. His job is relying on this. Um, but this maybe could be a blessing in disguise for them. I think Joel Embiid has been very dominant, one of the most dominant players in the, in, in the bubble uh, thus far. And, you know, that's always something for them. If they can find, if, if they can find, uh, a way to figure this out without being, and, and we can start seeing that team like that, then it opens up the door of options for them. Everybody wants the Sixers to succeed with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid, but it's just, I don't know. It's always, it's always something that's just there that doesn't allow them to flourish as, as much as we would like them to see. So if they can figure something out um, without him, that would be special for them. And it, and, and it would give them some options going forward. Obviously they're not the team that they, they're striving to be without him. I'm, I'm not trying to say that they will be better, but if they can figure something out, because uh, I, I, I would just get prepared to not see Ben Simmons. A knee injury is serious. And if they're saying indefinitely that, you know. Um, yeah, because my thing is, it was it really like a contact injury. It's not like at he all. Just, it was like a small, oh, he, like he, just he threw a duck in pass and he tweaked his knee. That That's what happened on the play. He literally threw a duck in pass and you saw him like grab his knee for a second and then walk off the court. So, yeah, I'm not really sure how to judge the injury, you know, except for it was kind of basically like a contactless injury, which we, so, you never want to see. What I've seen on Twitter mostly is people showing, like, other players in NBA history that have gone through this injury, and the first one that always comes up is, like, Bynum. Bynum went through this injury, and they held him out for, for eight weeks. But uh, most people are saying that it's, it's not one of those injuries like um, – okay, you'll be done for eight weeks, and that's, like, the way it's going to be. It could be eight weeks. It could be two weeks. It could be longer. So we just really don't know the severity of Ben Simmons' yet. Um, but but going back to the idea, or, or the, is it a big deal as far as bubble goes, does this change the landscape at all? Or was this – is Philly even on the level to, to really be competing? Or is this, like, we look at that roster – we see that they have talent. We assume that they should be able to put together the talent, but we haven't seen any results. Yeah, but also that's the team where that duo, I wouldn't want to play them in that first, second round because you never know what you're going to get. Joel Embiid is 40 and 20. I mean, you don't want to go against that. I guess no matter who your center is. And then Ben Simmons is a walking triple-double. So you can't really count them out. You can't go into that series thinking like, ah, it's the Sixers. We good. Like you, no matter if you're the Bucks or any team, you got to respect them and come out and give them your best. I agree with D Mills. Uh, I don't think that we looked at them as a, a a team that was changing the landscape, the landscape in a contending way, uh, like straightforward. But I think that they could have influenced the landscape because they're 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 a difficult team to predict and judge. But we do know for for a fact that on any given day they can play elite and be elite. So with D, like what D Mills is saying, one of those top teams happen to play them in a first or second round, you never know that, that you might think you're getting the, the Sixers that is like, damn, they can't figure it out, and then you just get the Sixers team that's clicking, and everybody is like, this is a team we want to see uh, night in and night out, and they they just being that great team for that 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 round, and now you know the Celtics or the Heat just got knocked by the Sixers because they were just on point. And then, you know, then the next round, the Sixers play the Bucks or the Raptors and they get exposed as the Sixers team that we all know them to be. But they did just knock out a team. So I think they have that 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 talent or they're good enough to knock out a team. But I don't know if they could consistently knock out uh, a Celtics or Raptors or Heat. And then in the next round, they knock another one off. And then they go to the Eastern Conference Finals and they knock the Bucks out. Now they in a fight. I don't know if they consistently could play at that level because that's always been their problem. They've always shown us an eight to 10 game stretch where they look like they could be one of those top teams. And then they show us an eight to 10 game stretch where they're, you know, four and six. And it's like, oh, well, we overhyped them. They, they, they're going to need to trade Joel or Ben Simmons. And that's just always been a Sixers. They, they just can't consistently be um, a top tier team. Even last year, they won seven games with the Raptors. Yep. You know, they the Raptors beat them on a on a doink a doink doink. So they're definitely not a, a pushover scrub as team. I, I just feel, don't know I, if they're a championship team. I feel like most of like the outside fans are like Philly. Not would like to see, but think that it might be in the best interest to eventually break this pair up and, and like pick a star, then build around that star. 
Um, but if that happens, bro, it's got to go down in history as like one of the best, most talented duos that just couldn't work out. Yeah, and honestly, it they worked out to me. Yeah, I think that worked out to the extent that you you really like the goal is always to to go far in the playoffs and to win the finals. I mean, they worked out to the sense that hey, they consistently made the playoffs since they've been on the court together. But like, I think the end goal when you talk about the process or any rebuilding phase is to get to the point where you're at the top and you're raising that trophy. And they haven't. I mean, they got to the second round and seven games in the second round, but haven't had a conference finals appearance or a championship appearance either. Mm-hmm. I mean, I. I, I'm kind of with P. I thought they worked in the sense that they could work out, but I think people always kind of looked at it a little negatively just because Ben Simmons couldn't shoot and you have a almost a superstar big who needs to post up. So I always figured the spacing is going to be wrong. Even like they do now where they have to move Ben Simmons to the power force, but it just seems like it would kind of work a little bit better with a guard who could shoot. And even, I think oh. it goes even deeper to that because like even when we get to the playoffs last season, it's just always an injury, right? This is always an injury. I feel like y'all know SB Nation puts together those videos like the collapse. And it talks about the supersonics with GP and the, and Sean Kemp or talk about that Kings team that was this close. And they just kind of go through the timeline. I feel like if they break up in the next season or two and don't get to a championship run, we're going to see a collapse type video of like, why the heck didn't this team work out? They're going to go through the injuries. They're going to go through the bad signings and like Al Horford. They're going to go through these, these small trades that may not mean anything, but you remember they traded Mikael Bridges for Zaire Smith and Zaire Smith doesn't get any PT and Mikael Bridges is out here like clamping up some of the best players in the league. So just those little small things between the front office, you got to think about the Colangelo thing. Like, they had a whole guy in the front office that had to resign because something's going on with a burner account and his wife. Like, Philly in the last five or six years or so has been its own little crazy spot in the NBA. And that's why I say it would be more so that and not that those two couldn't work. Because as far as those two, they, they've been a successful duo. Yeah, they haven't won a championship. They're still extremely young, but their reasoning – is legitimate you know what i mean like injuries and shit happen so we can't wait on injuries even though joel Embiid, like even when he's played he's had like shit going on it hasn't had like he had games last year where he had like like he 11 points because yeah. yeah shit like that like that 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 that's you know what i mean like I, that's that's kind of crazy to me but outside of that i just feel like the franchise has kind of let them down because you know yeah the al horford signing um I, i'm down for it but the extent and maybe you wouldn't have got him if you didn't if you couldn't give him the, right. the length of that contract. But then at, at that point, it's like shit. We fuck it. Let's not get him then, because yeah. now you're tied up with this. Um, you know, JJ Redick. I feel like because of the lack of shooting from Ben Simmons, that was a big one. That was a big loss. You did have Jimmy Butler, and and yeah, um, it wasn't a perfect marriage right off the right off the top. The top. But we do know that Jimmy Butler on that team makes them a lot better than what they are versus Josh Richardson. And yeah, Mikael Bridges and Jair Smith, that was something that immediately before we even seen them touch the floor, got a crazy reaction. Like, why are y'all doing that? Mikael Bridges is exactly what you want. And then let's not forget Markel Fultz. And not only drafting Markel Fultz, but doing the swap with the the Celtics and they get Jason Tatum. It's just been a lot as an organization that they do, even at the length of Brett Brown being here, maybe that could even be a point. I'm sure it's a lot of fans that say they should have got rid of Brett Brown years ago or, mm-hmm. or you know, last year. There's going to be a lot of different things to be said uh, more so than just Joel and Ben, because I feel like for them to be as young as they had, they had a lot of uh, immediate success. Yeah. I don't think they've ever had a first round exit either. No. I mean, you talk about when you're, you're pairing up a dude that's what a top 10 player in the league almost. And then a, a dude that's probably two top two tw- top 25 players. You're going to want to keep them together. Right. You, yeah, especially you so. especially yeah. especially as young guys that still have their, two, three years down the road. Ben Simmons could have a, a somewhat of a reliable jumper. You never yeah, it's, know. It's just it's easy to even it's easy to think about. Like, OK, we have these two top, like you said, 25 players or whatever. Yeah. Um, we just need to build a team around them. Yeah, but then you give Tobias Harris the biggest contract in the league, and then you give out thirty-four year old Al Horford a four-year contract where it just gets higher and higher in the salary. Like Elton Brand has not done a good job whatsoever in building the formula for this team. Yeah, about some big names on, but yeah, it hasn't necessarily just worked. We've always kind of based the level of this group based off talent, which you know is not always just going to produce on the floor, but 
I mean, they like you said, they did get to basically almost to, to the conference finals last year if that that shot doesn't go in. But I think a lot part of that series too was was Jimmy Butler's ability to kind of like create, especially down the stretch and get to the foul line. The signature thing of the brand, no pun intended, Elton Brand, uh, was trust the process. And I feel like Elton Brand came in and did the exact opposite. I feel like when he came in, they tried to rush the process. Yep. Mm-hmm. He tried to come in and take a team that was like on the brinks and he tried to immediately make them that right. team, which to me was idiotic because the league just doesn't work like that. I think when you have Ben Simmons and Embiid, you don't have to overly think it and go out and get Joel and Beads. I feel like those two dudes are so good that you can take little pe- people that aren't the name and they'll fit right in and make things work. When you look at guys like Mo Harkless, um, uh, Alpha Rico Mino, you don't have to give those guys five-year contracts, a hundred and some million. They'll fit in. I feel like it's enough role players around the league year in and year out that can put be put right next to a Joel Embiid and, and Ben Simmons, and that team can be elite. Right. When you look at guys like Justin Holiday out there in, in Indiana shooting 40% from three, doing his thing defensively, he, he's doing that this year. Like every year, there's just these group of guys that come around that you can just get for a year or two on, on you know, 11 to $12 million a year instead of committing to like five-year, $90 million. Like that shit is just not it. It's not That's not the way for a role player, bro, unless that team is already winning and you have to keep it intact. But I'm not doing that for a team that hasn't been proven yet. I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry. And they've had a lot of pieces, in my opinion, that fit perfectly. Like, I felt like J.J. was just J.J. Good. is perfect. Mm-hmm. I felt like I know y'all had – I know they had to give it up to get Jimmy, but Robert Covington, they would love a Robert Covington. It was per- he was perfect for him. They yeah. would love a Robert Covington right now. Um, they would love a Mikael Bridges. Like I said, like, even when that happened, there was never anything that said Zaire Smith would fit better – next to those two than Mikael Bridges. That was just, I, I I did not understand that. And he went to Villanova like that. That I just didn't understand that one at all. I remember draft day because his, his mom works for the 76ers, right? She like works yeah. concessions or something like that. So they were super happy that he was staying in Philly. And then five minutes later, he gets traded to Phoenix. Very weird, man. Very yeah. weird. The front office is a downfall of the organization. That's pretty much what it is. Yeah. Uh, you know how in 2K, if you do Mike Lee, you can start from last year's offseason. I think the course of Philly's like Philly's next 10 years can be rewritten by not giving Al Horford this contract and instead dallying and giving some money here and there for this piece, Definitely. here and there for that piece, and so Definitely. on and so forth. Because like they, they pride Al Horford away with a bag. They could have pride some other players that may not be on Al Horford's level. You mentioned Justin Holiday. You can I, I was thinking players like George Hill, who's literally leading the league in three point percentage this season as a backup to Ben Simmons. He's like the you know what I'm saying the exact opposite as far as being an elite shooter. And he's a he's just a really good guy who could probably start on some team. So there's a lot of things that could be different. That's beautiful talk for the first topic. It's the second one. The Lakers shooting wolves. Right now they're two and three in the bubble. And I have the statistics of their shooting, like, drought. So, overall, when it comes to field goal percentage, they are down about eight percentage points in the bubble. And if y'all remember, Terrence Ross was one of the people that came out and was like, listen, you're going to see a lot of players shoot way better in the bubble because there's no, you can see, there's no, there's a wall behind the rim, so you ain't got to worry about depth perception of all these fans and yada yada. The Lakers are the exact opposite of that. Um, and what's funny is that Orlando is the best when it comes to jumping, and it was Terrence Ross saying it. And then after that, when you come to three-point percentage, the Lakers' three-point percentage is down 10% in this bubble. Is this something we should be concerned about or what? Because I, I don't know if any of us here picked the Lakers to win it all, but it's like a lot of people believe that the Lakers are the championship winner this year. Let us know, Mike. Talk to us, Michael. Out of a one through five, I'm in the middle. I'm like two and a half. I think that for the shooting struggles, we've been terrible. Like, so bad that it's like you got to think you can't be that bad for so much longer. That's how bad we've been shooting the ball. And we just kind of been looking like offensive, offensively, we've been just looking slow. And, um, and it's see- funny because House of Highlights just dropped a video saying how a Lakers star works out in season training day uh, five minutes ago. And it's Danny Green, I'm guessing. It looks like it's Danny Green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's but uh, as i was saying yeah our offense just but hasn't been looking good and you can see it kind of translates um on the court as well they just don't even look like they having fun out there they look like they got the number one seed already and they not really trying to play for much but 
I mean, there's a lot of teams that are gaining momentum because they, you know, they're motivated and then they got, you know, stuff they're trying to prove. We just kind of look like we're out there, which isn't good because, I mean, as a, a team, top team like we are, it's always good to practice good habits. Yeah, I feel like LeBron's always had those teams that turn it on, turn it off. But I don't know if you want to do that right now yeah. because I feel like you don't want to go into that first-round matchup and play a Portland team that or a Suns team, any of those teams down there, honestly, that's got this momentum yeah. and they got that confidence. And you don't want to go in there and not playing your best basketball because this is going to be a different AC, A1C matchup. It's not going to be no little cakewalk this year, I don't think, because those other teams are very good and they coming out and they hooping. So I think they need to really figure it out. LeBron is, I don't know. LeBron is LeBron. He's not. He's not. He's not, like he's not LeBron right now. Yeah, I don't know. LeBron. Anthony Davis is every other game. He want to hoop. Danny Green ain't making shit. Deion Waiters is on and off. Jr. ain't doing like that whole team. It's is the whole offense. Good. It's literally yeah. the whole offense. Which I mean, I, I understand. Like I said, I always tell it. Uh, I preach this, but I feel like we more of like a playoff team. And I literally think that's because we don't really have the best like driving kick penetration offense besides a LeBron type dude. So I think those half court sets, which you never really want to show all your cards and, you know, exhibition games kind of like this. But um, obviously we got to assume that LeBron is going to obviously step up his game in the playoffs when it comes and, and it's more meaningful. But also on the flip side, I, obviously we know Portland is playing really well right now. I think that for the Lakers justice, it does them right if they do play a, a Portland in the first uh, round. Obviously, they're a super hard team. They're playing like a fourth or fifth team. But if we could beat that, it could kindly kind of defaces that narrative that we're just kind of sucking right now, you know? And uh, that's, that's the part for me that I was saying, you know, trying to make sure you don't overreact to, to things right. like that because, yeah, they struggled or whatever. They're not playing the best basketball that we know they're capable of. But at the end of the day, when a playoff starts, you're going to have to beat this team in a seven game series. Yeah. Coming out and beating the Lakers on a Thursday where they're just not knocking down shots or whatever, it's easier than having to beat them consistently in a seven game series. That's different. Same thing with the Bucks, same thing with the Clippers. Uh, yeah, the Suns beat the Clippers. Great game. But the Suns would have to do that in an entire series at that level consistently to beat the Clippers. You know what I'm saying? Um, so those are the things that it's like, gives them some layaway, some some layaway for, like for, for a Lakers team because I still think that the Lakers are elite uh, and I still think they have, you know, um, more than enough talent to compete at the highest level. And the one thing that D-Mill said was correct um, is whoever they play, whether it be the Lakers, Grizzlies, I mean, whether it be the Blazers, Grizzlies, Suns, whoever, that team is going to have momentum. Whoever is the AFC, we know for a fact they will have momentum because you're going to have to win, win out basically, to uh, to to do it. So you have to be like you have to win the next four out of your five to be the AFC, and then you have to win the play-in game. So yeah, you're going to have to be on a winning streak, and somebody's going to have to do it. So somebody's going to be hot as hell going into the playoffs, having momentum, having confidence, um, and yeah, it's going to be a challenge, but regardless half court set non half court set they're going to have to make shots that's yeah. for sure uh yeah. jr smith will have to get his shit going he and he's been struggling defensively it seems like every time i see him on a court he's getting scored on and giving up a hand one or i mean it's it, so they did just join the team not too long ago too and it's like their first game but even okay uh, JR, yeah. but caldwell pope didn't just join the team <laughs> no he didn't i'm saying we are we hey like, we're not I, they're not making shots and they're gonna have to I, ain't no excuses i don't want to hear you can see my face every time we we miss a, a wide open jumper we just been we've been shitty and that's just and, and how that's, it's been and in order to play at a high level they're gonna have to not be shitty that's just yeah. what it is i don't give a fuck why what's going on yeah fuck all of that you have to make shots in order to win Danny so LeBron, Green, lebron had like said in an interview he like hinted at something going on off the court that is the reason behind the Lakers we not seen being it. successful. We seen what was going on. What was they it? Had, they got the Madden tournament going on. Unless oh, it's really some deep issues going on. Yeah, they got the Madden tournament going on. It had to be some goofy shit like that. Nothing yeah. too deep to happen because, like we said in the, the Xbox party two days before that, he was talking about they said I couldn't do it and I'm here. So like, he can you imagine about. if the Madden tournament turned this team's chemistry off because they going at each other like a like For real, just bro. talking trash? Hey, KCP, if you look at the KCP 0-5 in there. So maybe that's why his ass shooting bad because he can't get it. <laughs> <laughs> He's sabotaging the game. 
Yeah. Oh man, the man. Man, you see, they they but came that, out of that, That's the thing, though. They're the number one seed, and that's why. I, yeah. Again, they we don't know. The thing is, we don't know what's going on literally inside their locker room. They can have the front office and the coaches saying, you know what. At these games, we we finna come with it in the playoffs, or they be telling like, you know what, we really do need to start worrying because the way these other teams are looking, they might be a little. Scary. Well, what I would know, well, we can I, we can all say, and I can bet all of my money that that I have right now is that nobody is saying f these games. Lakers fans, <laughs> like, gotta stop doing that. That whole thought process of like, we don't care. That's never. That's no, never, we should, yeah, that's yeah. Never, they, I'm I agree with you. Making shots, y'all losing. Y'all would want to win. But like I said, because y'all are the number one seed and because y'all can play at a high level, we know this, y'all shouldn't stress out about it. I don't think LeBron James should be sitting somewhere throwing a clipboard because y'all missing shots. It's like, yeah, we want to win, but we lost, so what? We're the number one seed, and we'll take our chances against whoever we play in that opening round, rightfully so. Yeah, That's why I'm saying I don't want to overreact, but I do know that y'all will need to make shots. And Danny Greens, mm. the Caldwell Popes, I do believe LeBron game will go up. I think Anthony Davis will – Continue. Ain't no way LeBron averaging under 20 points. Exactly. I think it more, I'm more so him. concerned, or if it was anything I would overreact to, it would be Danny Green and Caldwell Pope and just the shooting, the three-point shooting overall. Because, Mike, you said it a bunch of times off camera um, how Danny Green had the, the playoffs last year where he didn't he didn't really start making shots till the finals. Yeah. And you don't want that to happen. Because, hey, for a shooter, it only takes that one game where it feels like, you know, the basket is the ocean and you can, you can shoot anything. Hey, we haven't had one of those games for any of our shooters, really. Kyle Kuzma, them, they've been our best shooter. So, I mean, And that's like the same point about the Lakers. Because mm-hmm. if they all get in sync and the shots start falling, you have JR, you have Caldwell Pope, you have Danny Green. Kuzma is looking, looking nice at certain times. I think he's still – got to calm down i've seen a comment that says kuzma plays like he's like a, a number one option he definitely yeah he do he do you can, you can tell <laughs> you can tell he tries to like force his way into like a score a, a, like a number one or number two scoring option some, sometimes especially when he get that ball off that rebound it's, it's just very weird to see um this team that in the regular season was a top 10 offense in the entire league be by far, and I mean by far, the worst offense in the bubble. Like, it's not even right. close. And it's, it's not, not just a three-point either. It's not even just a three-point. We turn the ball over a lot, too. And like you said, um, our, our guard play defensively, Chris Paul tore us up. And I, I don't know. It just kind of seems like Danny Green and KCP, they weren't playing as good as they should on the defensive end. And I, I don't know if that's translation from them shooting poorly, but like I said, hopefully they can turn it around. I feel like they're definitely our big X factors moving on, at least from right now. Yep. If Chris Paul tearing y'all up, imagine what D Book or Dame and CJ gonna do. What you trying to say? What what you saying about Chris Paul? I'm just saying that those other three. I'm messing with you. <laughs> they want buckets. So the next one is the Dallas Mavericks defense. Um, we always knew that they were a historically great offense, but in the bubble, they've been a terrible, terrible defense. They can't stand in front of anybody. We saw the first game of the season. They gave up 150 points of regulation to, to the Houston Rockets. But even if it falls through the whole domino effect, and in the bubble, they are 1-3. They're 1-3 and like just have this 7th seed. It's not too late for them to jump up, but they are the 7th seed right now. The defense has been trashed. So is it a big deal? Or y'all think they just gonna rely on the offense to continue to to potentially make some noise? Yeah, uh, I mean you can't win games. You can't stop nobody. You can't win games in this league. You can't, especially yeah. the teams that they're gonna be going against. Yeah. Like they're yes. like they would be going against the Clippers. The, the Clippers, Clippers are gonna get consistent stops. I've seen some teams win some games off just offense. The Rockets beat the Mavericks, and they wasn't stopping the Mavericks. Yeah, but <laughs> Rockets also wouldn't get stops either. I mean yeah. the Clippers. The Clippers are going to get stops. The reason I say it, it's definitely it's going to be a future problem for the Mavs because from the games that I've seen where their defense is the biggest issue is they'll have a lead and obviously every team goes through it, but they'll have an offensive struggle for a quarter or the fourth quarter and their defense is nowhere to be found. And now you're kind of down 5-10 in the games, you know, the game's running out. <laughs> right. So I would say that's probably their biggest issue. But I mean, their offense, their offense and today's uh, NBA can definitely carry you to a lot of wins. So, I mean, if they can, you know, get a couple more stops here and there, it'll work wonders for the offense. I, I agree with Mike. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, I, I agree extremely with Mike, especially for a team like this. Yeah, I think you would have to win a championship. You would have to need more of a defense. But they're, 
they're coming in here trying to just make some things happen, maybe upset a team in the first round, maybe do something, move up so they don't have to play a Clippers team and play a Nuggets in the first round. And that's what they're going for. Nobody is looking at them to win a championship. I don't even think them. I know the goal for every team is to win a championship, but I'm sure they just want the experience and to compete and play against somebody at a high level. I don't think they're pushing for a title. And I think that's what it would that that's what it would be. They'll rely on their offense and then down the stretch, they'll just want to make the one or two stops that they need to win games. I'm more concerned on when they do, because we've seen that happen too. We've seen them make the proper stops to get a chance to win games. And even down the stretch, their offense didn't get it done. I want to see them to be able to execute to win games offensively. Because yeah, I know since I know that their defense won't ever match their offense they're going to have to be able to execute down the stretch to win the games instead of going into these overtimes and, and giving other teams that chance to eat them up um, in the overtime. Cause that's just what happens. I mean, they went overtime with the Rockets and the Rockets, like D Mills was saying, they couldn't get a stop. So the Rockets won that game. I think they went overtime with Devin Booker uh, being fouled out against the Suns and the Suns won that game. So yeah, if you, if you're able to close it out at the end, when you have a Luca and Chris Stapps, who Chris Stapps has been one of the top scorers in a bubble, mm-hmm. averaging like right on 30, there should be no way you don't close out a game. That Those two doing a pick and roll with Seth Curry spotting up in one corner, like, that. yeah, I, I don't understand how they can't finish games out. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, I'm pretty sure they went overtime with the Kings as well. Did they? I thought the Kings flat out beat them. Oh. I'll, I'll double check. You can keep on talking. I'll check that. You up might be right, D. Mills. I'm not saying you're wrong. I just thought that the Kings did beat them. But yeah, I, I I think that they'll be fine for that for that role of what they're going for. I do agree though. You will need defense if you're playing in those upper echelon points. But I don't think that they're looking or will go that far. Uh, so yeah, I think their offense could carry them to a first round upset or whatever they're trying to go. Especially if they get matched up against like a Nuggets team. Right. Right. So it was overtime. So yeah. Um, and three overtime games, and yeah, that's all losses, game. right? All all losses. I mean, they get Dwight Powell back, and maybe they add a defensive minded guy in the free agency. They couldn't, you know, add, give him oh, just that little boost. Oh, we the, know the future's fine. Yeah, yeah, the future's yeah, great. Yeah, right. We're talking about good. the playoffs now. I, I even got like a screenshot, I think, in my phone. Yeah, it says the Mavericks have the best offensive rating in the NBA. They're in first, but um, they're 29th. Uh, the Mavericks have the 29th best clutch time offensive rating, mm. hmm. and that might, I think that w- that might have been pre bubble, but still, it just shows that yeah, when it's time to get clutch, it's time to make those plays. It's not the first over, it's not that right. first uh, offense, hmm. historic offense that we're used to uh, when it's time to be clutch. And that, that's it up. That's experience. Would you say they got they got to pick it up in these last couple bubble games because uh, D Mills has talked about it, but like them against the Clippers. Not getting stops yeah. is, is is impossible. But if they jumped up and played against the Nuggets, then we having a conversation. You know what I'm saying? We having a conversation on who wins that series. Does it go seven? But if they match up against the Clips, the Clips are the Clips will lock down in that fourth quarter and stop that that offense. And you just talked about how they have a terrible clutch offense. So there it is. So they they need to get things. It's a scary team to me, man. I, I think when this team is hidden, and like I said with the with the uh, with other teams, like. But the playoffs is just seven game series. So teams can be not themselves in a good way or a bad way. A team can come into a seven game series and be the best team ever, but then you'll see a version of them that you've never seen because it's just a seven, it's that seven game period. And like the Mavericks, I think if the Mavericks hit and get a momentum or some shit click for them, they're a scary team to play in a seven game thing because dog, that offense is crazy. And if they're able to get a couple more stops than we're used to them getting, or they play against a star who isn't having his typical night because Paul Jordan and Kawhi have showed us that they could have some nights where they look a little, you know, they look human. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and some things can happen. But, yeah, the Clippers is definitely not the, the matchup they prefer. I think the, I think even for us as viewers, the Nuggets versus Dallas Mavericks first-round matchup would be a joy to watch yep. to open up the playoffs. Porzingis and Jokic matchup. Porzingis, Jokic. You got Michael Porter Jr. who's emerging. He'll give Dorian Finney-Smith some more 30 and 10s. You got Luka doing all types of shit on Jamal Murray. Uh, if they'd even put him on, they'd probably put somebody else Tory on. Craig. Tory Craig could get the Luka. Tory back. Craig, Will Barton type thing. You know? Tory Craig can get Craig done. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, next one. 
Talking about the Grizzlies, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for the rest of the bubble. We didn't get a chance to talk about that last episode because it happened like right after. And uh, right now, they're still the eighth seed. They end up getting a big win against OKC where they were down by 20-plus and came back. And that was literally their first win, and it took five games to do it. They are uh, one game above the Blazers, and they are not safe, as we know, without Jaron Jackson Jr. So how big of a deal is it that the the Grizzlies have not been successful so far in this bubble? It's a big deal, man. It's a big deal because it, it gives – um, those other teams, Suns, Blazers, teams like that, gives them a lot more confidence. And I think that's why we've been seeing them play at the level they played. But it's also a big deal because whoever gets that matchup against the Lakers, it, 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 it could be more. I, I, I now want to see one of those other teams get in and not the Grizzlies because the yeah. Grizzlies without Jaron Jackson changes the whole dynamic of that series. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now I'm pushing for shit, anybody but them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Blazers, please get it. Suns, please get it. Just because them without Jaron Jackson, it changes everything. I was making um, a similar point um, when I was talking on my stream the other day, and it was a couple fans and Memphis Grizzly fans that were kind of upset about me basically saying that, like, without Jaron Jackson, you do not have a chance against the Lakers. The Trailblazers have a, have a chance. This other team has a chance. But without Jaron Jackson, you really don't have a chance to, to win the series. Maybe you take a, a sneaky game, maybe. Um, and they got upset. And I was just trying to say to them that, like, it's okay. Your success right now was so premature. Nobody expected you to be here. Take that as a W that you have this young core that got you to the point where you're even in playoff contention. You were projected to win 24 games this season. So, yes, this this is not the year for y'all to take out the Lakers, but the future is bright. Take that yeah. and be happy with it. Yeah, I don't know why fans are like that. Fans always pretend like it's now or never. And it's like, yeah, you're AFC, dog. And you had no, there was no plan for you being here. Like, this is, all, everything is just, be ha- you should be happy to be here. Like, this is one of the rare moments where it's like, be happy to be here. Because at, now, after next year, now everybody's going to trash y'all if y'all not, like, like if y'all have a uh, Sacramento Kings year next year, it won't, it won't fly. It'll be disappointing. So just be happy that you're here because the shit can change just like that, like we've seen with Sacramento. And you could just be a bottom feeder next year for whatever reason. Maybe the, the role players that we thought were super good just don't have the same year. Maybe Dylan Brooks has a, a bad year next year and you're not what we thought y'all were. And then y'all going to be sitting around looking fucking shitty because mm-hmm. you're back in the lottery. But, yeah, um, I, I, I don't know, man. I, if they do make it, I feel like it would just be because – um, it would it's be because, so hard for them to fall from the exactly, position they were at. They wouldn't make it because they won. It would just be because they had such a big gap that if they won, like the last two games, they would barely sneak in. And then it's like, uh, versus the Sun. If the Suns make it, it's like, oh, the Suns went seven and one in a bubble. They have to win a certain amount of games. Same with the the Blazers. So those teams will have a, extreme momentum. Yeah, I actually I screenshotted it. So if the Grizzlies lost their final three games. Um, basically, except for the Trailblazers, everybody would have to go undefeated. So the Spurs, Suns, mm-hmm. Kings, the Pelicans would damn near have to go undefeated to catch up to them and pass them. Um, so it's the Blazers, tough, have- bro, it sucks that the Suns have been so good and they still need it need to be perfect to even make any noise. That's right? just how far behind they were. They're playing some tough teams, man. They're gonna play the Heat today, um, and then I I think they play the Mavericks again. To, like they they're not playing no teams. The next. Four games, uh, I think they play are all playoff teams. So the Blazers played the Clippers tonight, but Kawhi not playing. He, they just announced that he's not playing tonight. So yeah, yeah. Hopefully, Drogic and Jimmy sit out again, man. Because I mean, well, let me let me look at the standards real quick. Miami, uh, oh, they still they still fighting. They could drop all the way to six potentially with a couple bad games. So they're still fighting for seeding and stuff. But um, as far as I know, I think I know I don't know for sure, but I think that Jimmy Butler is like pretty sure he's not playing today. Don't know mm-hmm. about Drogic. Kendrick Nunn left the bubble, so yeah, they're without Kendrick Nunn too. Um, and then yeah, the Pelicans are still in it too. They're above Phoenix. Phoenix is the 12th seed. They're mm-hmm. perfect and still are the 12th seed. As, uh, as bad as the Pelicans have been, they're still yeah. in the fight, which is crazy. <laughs> I mean, they start- and they still just rest in Zion. Yeah. That was one of my things on my topic list. This, this whole Zion thing. I mean, twenty-year-old guy comes off a four-month hiatus where he is we like. Want to that next? Yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. He's the only guy in the entire bubble that is like really, really out of shape. Twenty-year-old dude, and it's just like it, 
it shouldn't be that. But he's his his body type is something we've never seen before. I remember people were saying that his body type is like Charles Barkley's, but that's not true. Charles Barkley's never was creeping up on three hundred pounds. That's just never there's never been what Charles Barkley was. Their games might be similar because they're just dunking on people, but like mm-hmm. their body types are not the same. And I remember when we were talking on the podcast during the hiatus, you know, one of our random episodes, somebody had posed a question like, who do y'all think going to come in out of shape? We were like, Jokic probably, but then Jokic was skinny as hell. Somebody said James Harden. James Harden was skinny as hell. And then one of us has said Zion. And we were like, wow, you're right. This dude is 20 years old. and He's already in that group of players we assume will be out of shape. Right. He's always been a big dude, man. And then. When you do, when you're especially when you're young like that, you kind of carry those habits. He probably doesn't take care of his body as the way he should. And with all those trainers, he probably, you know, gets the help he needs. But it may take a few years. It did the same for Joel Embiid, right? It, it comes to almost like a self-reflection too, right? I shouldn't have that extra Shirley Temple. I should have my water. I shouldn't do this or that. That may become with experience. But, yeah, he, he's been so good, though. And like you said, mention him like comparing him to Charles Barkley. You could tell like his body is just so big. He just clears room when he goes to the to the rim. No wonder why he's shooting so high at the field because they're almost damn near open lips. Because once he puts the body on you, you're kind of yeah. out the play. Out of the way. Yeah. So and like I said, it could be similar to the Giannis thing where he plays so damn hard, and for somebody who's six six, three hundred pounds, it's gonna be a lot on your body, especially your knees and stuff like that. So it may be. For the long run, maybe you do kind of really ease them into it, but with this chance to to make the playoffs and make some noise, get that experience, I say why not? He young as hell. So that, that, that's one of the things I wanted to ask y'all is like, am I overreacting about thinking too much about it, or is it? Yes, he is twenty years old, and throughout the course of his career, he'll probably get his body into shape. No, yeah, I think it's a process uh, because he is so young. It is so new to him. And he has, like Mike said, has been so dominant. Like, he ain't been good. He's been dominant with this body. So he's never been in a situation where he had to change it because why would I? I'm, I'm dominant. Like, I, everything, like, like man, I'm going to emphasize pure dominant, dominance with that body. So now here it is that they're putting them on all the, probably trying to not putting them on, but, you know, easing those things and those habits in there. And it's all new. He's a kid. He's literally a kid, man. Like, even when you watch his interviews, it's just like, it's just kid friendly because he's literally a kid. So it's tough. Hell, D Mills is a grown ass man and just started forming new habits. And it's been a, a, a tough, I'm sure it hasn't, I don't want to say tough, but I know it hasn't been easy. Uh, shit for anybody. It won't be easy. KB, you know, you had to change your diet a little bit. And shit, I know it wasn't easy for you. So I I, I think it's going to be a process. Um, but I do think you're not overreacting to the part where they need to play and, and, and where he needs to play. And I think if he isn't in shape right now coming into the bubble, he never was in shape this entire season. Mm-hmm, he exactly. never was in shape. From the get-go, he never was in shape. And that's a reflection not of him, but the organization. Because what I kept saying when, pe- when whoever was saying he would be out of shape, I was saying there's no way in hell. All these people with working with the Pelicans, the nutrition is all. There's no way that they allow him to come in the, the, the bubble out of shape. There's no way. I'm sure that I, I just felt like they were watching him 24/7 because they knew how much this meant and how good of an opportunity it would be. Because everybody knew the NBA was pushing to try to get Zion in here, and mm-hmm. I just felt like it would be good for the Pelicans fan base. You just traded Anthony Davis, and you get all these young guys in. But damn. We traded him and got some success, and we get to play him in the first. It's just great. It's just great for them. It's great for the NBA. It's good for the fans. And to, like, rest him during this quote-unquote opportunity was it was it is a bit head-scratching. Even though I think they still could make it if they wanted to without him, but we all know that he, he makes them better, obviously. But I feel like they do have enough, and there's no excuse when he is on minutes restriction. They got Lonzo, Drew, Ingram. Um, JJ, like those guys got to step up. Lonzo, you got to get on your shit, man. Because yeah. with or without Zion, this team could still make the ninth to play in, in my opinion. Yeah, I think this is definitely one of those things where you can't overreact now, him being out of shape. Because I feel like next year, and I get, let's say this offseason, he comes in and he's the same body. He's the same. He can't play more than like five minutes in a row. Like that type of thing. Then yes, you react to that. But with him being so young, you kind of just got to play with it right now. And I think the organization sees it. I think th- if they don't do the right thing, then we got to reflect that on them because mm. they got to get on his ass about that because he is in a full mecca, one of the food meccas of the world. I, I I don't – trust me. I would love to try some Louisiana food. Trust I me. I feel that. 
But yeah, yeah I was the one who like, said that he might come back into the bubble out of shape. And then P, yeah, like he said, he was like, there's no way the Pels gonna let him come into shape out of shape, come in out of shape. And that's why he needs some reflection right now. Because yes, it was a hiatus. It was it was a perfect time for him to fruit. And you it know they perfect. showed that picture right before it started. He was cut yeah. as hell in the gym. Yeah. 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 Like and then he came and he just what the heck happened? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Uh, last thing I have is the Kings. Yesterday they lost to Brooklyn. Um, it's not over with technically for them, um, but, it is over but it's over with for them. You know what it I'm is. saying? But it's not really about the bubble. It's about the future of this Kings team that I really want to kind of talk about for a few minutes if y'all want to. Um, because a lot of things are going on at the same time. Luke Walton is terrible. He's not doing what the team been, uh, like benefited from last season. Um, I, I'm going to guess that Buddy Hield is done. He's done yeah. with Sacramento, and they're done with him. So we're probably going to see him get traded. It's just it's a lot of things going on. There's no excuse for them to lose to the Nets, who, for the most part, the, the Nets have actually been pretty solid. They're 3-2. and two, But yeah. it's still the Nets. And you look at that Kings roster. Gonna be like, the, but they beat the Bucks too. Exactly. <laughs> and just what, what are y'all thinking about the Kings' future right now? Everything that you said, everything hits on. I, I'm a Luke Walton guy, man. It, it, it's 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 so terrible to see Luke Walton suck as a coach because I, I was rooting for him, and I think he got a bad, a little bad deck of cards in LA. I think LA could have worked um, if they didn't bring LeBron in. I think with the young guys, they were on to something, but LeBron's whole situation changes the dynamic because you bring in Luke Walton into like being a championship head coach out of nowhere when he was just grooming young guys. Um, Sacramento, though, man, I, I don't even they, they suck. It's all bad. Um, and I don't I don't I don't even care or feel sorry for them because they shouldn't fire their coach. I'm gonna always say that. But I do think there is some hope. I do I, think me too. Me Buddy Hill has enough uh, stock in him to get something back. And I feel like Marvin Bagley being help, healthy can change yep. the dynamic of the team. And, you know, I feel like this upcoming draft is the perfect type of draft for the Kings. You have the Aaron Fox. You're going to have to bring back Bogdanovich, which I think they will, and it would be mm -hmm. the smart thing to do, especially with moving Buddy Hill. Um, and then you have a Marvin Bagley, right? So those are three cool, nice pieces for core. And there's probably some other guys that they want to add to the core, but I'm going to keep it that simple. Harry, yeah. Harry Giles got to be uh, – Yeah, I was going to say, Harry Giles, I like him. Especially he behind Marvin Bagley, he could be uh, just a dude that's different. Like, he is. He's a, he's like, He'll be he's their Yeah, right. He just needs to be healthy. That's my only thing, because I, 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 out exactly. of all my years watching him since high school, since he first got hurt, he just hasn't been healthy. Mm -hmm. um, but sure, you so we'll take those three. You still have veterans like Harrison Barnes. Oh, I'm not yeah, going to count. A, I was going to say, what? Well, how many years did Barnes have, Barnes have on his contract? I think, I think probably it was a four-year deal. Uh, probably has one more after this, or maybe a two. I think Bielitz's might be a free agent. I'll double check while you, while you, because he, I know he's been very good for them, even been playing center for them at times. But um, you, yeah, he did, he was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you have those pieces, and now here we come into a draft where you might have a uh, what they'll probably have like a 15th, six, no, no, they won't make the playoffs, so they'll probably mm -hmm. have like a 13th, 14th type pick. Mm -hmm. and I feel like it's enough guys in this draft. Where if you take your damn time, which they don't they don't have a good history of, and you just select somebody to complement what you already have, you'll be very, very, very not everybody gotta be a damn superstar once you coming Mikhail out the draft, Bridges. bro. Look at guys like yeah. Mikhail Bridges, man. Those are the type of guys that are always available in that 13, 14. Hell, those dudes be available in the 20 sometimes if you like. Brandon Clark was picked late as hell. So if they can get some guy and not try to hit a fucking home run. Which they always do. They always Thomas Robinson, Papa Giannis, Papa Giannis. Let's mm. get Nick Stauskas. No, just get a guy that's going to complement De'Aaron, Bogdanovich, and Bagley, which would be a three and D type wing who can learn from Harrison Barnes. Um, a guy that I'm always going to name when you talk about three and D, Devin Vassell. I don't know if he'll drop yeah. as late as they will be for Florida State, but those guys in that mode, even a Sadiq Bay later on in the draft. That's what I was going to be thinking because I remember I was looking at. His my comparison for him is Harrison Barnes. So I, <laughs> there, there would just be a nice little thing, and that would be a, a home run because Harrison Barnes would be a great ass player if he was picked in the twenties. You know what I'm saying? Like if he, but he was a seventh overall pick. But yeah, just get a guy that'll play off the ball and guard somebody, and I think they have a nice little future there. And that's not even including what they could potentially get back from Buddy Hill. Maybe they get the three and D guy for Buddy Hill, but if you can get another one. 
Like, I like what the Hawks did. The Hawks are just drafting 3 and D guys to compliment Trey Young, and whoever mm-hmm. sticks is going to be him, and the rest would just diminish, I guess. Yeah. Um, back to Nemanja Bielitz. It does have an extra one more year after this season. Um, a couple days I like ago, him. Boogie had tweeted, like, who's the fall guy now? No, he's a, who's a scapegoat. Who's a scapegoat now? Yeah, who's yeah. a scapegoat now? And I just, I just thought that was really funny. Sense. Yeah. It's just a, an organization just is been dysfunctional and just full of shit for years and it it looks so promising last season i was like okay yeah. they're about to turn it around as a team that's gonna really be in playoff contention for the future and they just fell flat on their face they could use a page of stoyakovich right now it's a fact every team could use a page of stoyakovich <laughs> <laughs> i mean that man was a bucket that's all i really have i don't know if y'all have any other like small topics that y'all want to talk about um yeah, that's that's all I really got. I think we I think we hit on everything. I think that's just the 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 best way is to try to hit on as much as we can. Uh, I'll take a look at the standings or the games today. I know the the uh, we got games. We got good games on paper. Me and Mike were talking about it before y'all. Clippers, got to the Blazers, call. Clippers, uh, Blazers. No Kawhi, but it still should be a good one. And that's early. I love the early games. Yeah, that's well, uh, Utah and Denver should be a, a, a nice one. You got Los Angeles and Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phoenix and Miami, and then we end the night with Milwaukee and Dallas. So that's, that's a whole slate of great games coming up for us. So that's I hope Giannis. One. I hope Giannis play. I hope they don't like rest them or something. Yeah. I think another another thing we had forgot to mention yeah. is that man still on fire, Gary Chant Jr. Play your Portland Trailblazers. That man still ain't been missing. Nobody is more on fire than Michael Porter Jr. Right now, man. Yep. Shout out to Michael yeah. Porter Jr. I'm so happy to see him doing his thing because we always knew it was there for him to do. Yeah. Uh, hopefully he'll come out tonight and have another good one. And yeah. boy, them them Blazers, man, the Suns, come on, Suns, catch the ass. Uh, I would yeah, love a play-in yeah. game of Blazers Suns. That would be a dope ass uh, play-in game. Uh, CJ clamping the book. Stop it. I guess that was a great episode, uh, <laughs> y'all. Tuesday, Wait, whatever. Let's let's do let's do a little bit of promotion. Um, be sure to listen to our show as well, or at least download it. It helps us out grow on the Spotify, Apple standings and everything to help us. Um, there are some incentives that come with if our show gets higher and higher, you get more stuff from the through the wire cast. P let the world know what you just got going on. Oh yeah, man. Y'all make sure y'all go and check out the first episode of HOH house party, which I'm the official host of. We just dropped the first episode featuring John Collins from the Atlanta, uh, Atlanta, Fal- uh, Atlanta Hawks. <laughs> Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> Atlanta Hawks. Big ass tight end. And then, uh, yeah, hell yeah. And then <laughs> Deontay Hitchcock. Y'all make sure y'all go check that out. Um, great feedback so far. People love them, 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 uh, them, uh, them, them guests. And it was it was dope having John Collins say the through the wire thing. I think our fan base had a real good reaction and just to see us come from where we came from to then see that. I think they like seeing those type of things. Uh and the love has been good. But yeah, man, download us, give us those five stars, those comments. Let us let's go up on those charts. Um and man, let's keep these episodes rolling because we've been on we've been having some good shit to talk about. Um but Kings, man. Damn, I want to do a Kings rebuild now, man. <laughs> it sounds so easy when we talk about it. Just draft the three and D guy, trade Buddy Hield, and get Marvin Bagley healthy, and there you have it. <laughs> so damn easy. I know the Kings probably see this shit and be like, "Boy, if it was that easy, we would have did it years ago." Oh, <laughs> that shit sounds like they do all that and they still come back like a ninth or tenth seed because <laughs> the Warriors are coming. Yeah, yeah. man. All right, we'll see y'all in a few days. Peace. Peace.